S-A-M-I-R-Y-E. Semi Rye here, coming to you with my podcast, that podcast is Semi Rye. And this week, we'll be talking everything there is to talk about The Matrix 4. I saw the movie twice. I read the reviews online. I watched all the special features HBO Max put out. I um, saw some interviews. I got everything I can, so um, this is going to be a spoiler. You know, for you guys who haven't seen it yet, it's on HBO Max. You can stream it. It's also in theaters. Um, the only thing I'll say that's not spoilers um, is just, in my opinion overall, if you just want to know my take on it, I would rate it a strong B, um, around like an 80 or something like that. I've seen on Rotten Tomatoes, um, people were rating it around 85, 87. I think that's a pretty good score. Um, and what's to say about that is I think the movie overall was a really difficult thing to try to do. I think getting an A is kind of impossible. So, um, you know, kind of having an 80, I think in my book, is kind of like having a 90 or 100, considering that what you're working on is something that should not work. It's an impossible task to try to make that movie work. Um, and I think they did a really decent job by the time the whole thing was done. Um, and that's my everything before the spoilers, right? So that's just a warning. If you're wondering, hey, what's Sammy's take? I think it was a pretty solid flick. I enjoyed it. Good visuals and, you know, everything. Um, and now moving forward, everything after this is spoilers. So you guys can always come back and check out the podcast later. I'm a hyper, super, mega Matrix fan. So I have a very, very big take on these things. But also I like to provide you know perspective on the podcast. I like to not fanboy out or be too biased. I'm going to read all the reviews, all the negative reviews, and try to understand what people are saying about it and see if we can come to a uh, you know an equal, balanced kind of perspective on the film. And hopefully the film's future, the franchise's future. Um, I'm, pr- I'm pretty sure they're going to make more. And that's the whole point of everything, right? So hopping right into it, everything after this, spoiler warning is over, good luck, right? Okay, so The Matrix 4, I think, to give you some perspective on watching the film, first, I would recommend just watch it, just go ahead and hit play, that's what I did, Um, I have a funny story how I ended up watching it at 3 o'clock in the morning, which is not my plan, Um, basically, like, something literally woke me up out of bed, I was walking around my house, I couldn't figure out what it was and what was bothering me. I thought someone was in my house, maybe, or something like that. Nothing was going on in my house. Couldn't go back to bed. My wife was claiming I was making noises and I wasn't allowing her to sleep, um, I, which I didn't think I was making noises. I was still awake. And um, I then asked, so I got out of bed again out of frustration and just like walked into the living room and suddenly realized, with no other thing to cue it, that The Matrix was on HBO Max now and I could watch it. Um, and I thought, I, I should go to bed. That's silly. I have work in the morning. Um, and I just felt like I had to do it. I felt compelled. So I haven't done that. I haven't watched any HBO Max at midnight um, or when it basically came out. So uh, I did for The Matrix 4. I sat down and hit play. And so I recommend anyone, when you watch it, just watch it. And get to try to put yourself in the, the, the perspective of a new person watching the film and just try to take it for what it's worth, right? When I saw Mortal Kombat on HBO Max... It was difficult for me the first time because I'm such a hardcore Mortal Kombat fan. Um, but everyone seemed to generally like it. And I wasn't really you know, too crazy about Mortal Kombat when I, first, when I first saw it. However, after watching everyone and seeing their take on it, I went back and watched Mortal Kombat a second time and was able to enjoy it. I understood that for Mortal Kombat, they're doing new things. They're kind of taking it more into a superhero kind of movie. And I think for movies... It will be better moving forward, um, but I still love the current story in the games. I think the game story is perfect. Um, NetherRealm Studios just kills it with everything they do. Injustice and Mortal Kombat is just top-level storytelling. Um, yeah, so I, I love that a lot. 
So with the matrix, um, I try to do the same thing, go in and say, okay, well, there's no way that any my any idea I have in my head, they could live up to that, right? Because I'm a kid when I see this, it's been almost 20 years, 18 years or so. Um, there's no way that could be there. So let me not do that to myself and ruin it for myself. Let me put that whole thing aside and just really try to see what the actors, the storytellers, the director want to tell me with this next Matrix film. Um, so just jumping in, I'm going to get into all the details about the film. Um, overall, I think the Matrix had two new things that it had to do, right? This is how I would rate any Matrix film. This is how I'd rate part two and part three. Um, number one, it has to provide new, interesting philosophy, right? Matrix has some philosophical things that it presents to you, right? Some ideas, some concepts. That's what makes it unique as far as action films, especially American action films. And number two, it has to have great action. I think those are the two pillars. A lot of people like Matrix because of the action, plain and simple. It's not that deep to them. And that's fair because everyone's allowed to like what they like for whatever reasons, right? So when you're trying to make a blockbuster film, it has to have good action. So to get that action out the way, the action was, I would say, perfect for what you're doing, right? Um, they acknowledge the fact that some of the actors are older. Um, Neo himself has been in the Matrix, again, longer. So he's it's difficult for him to free his mind to the degree it was before. However, he did still remember some things. Um, and, you know, they, they talk about the, the self-doubt. Can he still do what he can do? These are all things that you have as a moviegoer coming into the film, and they acknowledge that in the film, which I thought was pretty cool. Um, but as far as, you know, there was no rubbery CGI, right, that you got in Matrix 2 and Matrix 3, which was cool. Um, they acknowledge that even. They kind of have a reference because they understood. I liked how self-aware they were of the criticisms and everything they tried to do to fix it. Um, was every decision something everyone's going to like? Of course not. Um, but I definitely liked that they, they cared. I definitely felt like they cared and put a lot of attention to detail in trying to flesh everything out um, and make it something that was that makes sense for a movie that shouldn't make sense. Uh, number two was providing new philosophy. Um, as a kid who grew up on The Matrix, they kind of you know put forth the idea that The Matrix and some of the things that spawned after The Matrix kind of ruined us which is kind of disturbing for me as a Matrix fan because you're basically saying it ruined me, right? Helping people have these ideas of uh, grandeur, these ideas of escapism through electronics and things like that. That is what I'm a product of, right? There's a character in the film who's named um, uh, Jude, Judah, all right? And he has a great line. He's like, oh, man, forgive me. I was raised by machines. And I thought that was funny because he was he's not really raised by machines in the, in the Matrix world. He's just saying he's a gamer he grew up on all this technology, and that's me, right? So I'm like, man, the director is kind of saying that The Matrix is a bad thing. And I was worried at that point that this was going to become some kind of preachy film that, you know, kind of craps all over what makes The Matrix good to its fans. Because whether or not any of that's true, whether or not our generation is jaded or our generation is too into technology, um, still, you know, as a fan, you, you want to enjoy the film, <laughs> You don't want to show up 18 years later to get, like, preached at, right? Um, and they didn't do that. They didn't go that route. But they did present that that is a factor. And I love the honesty of the film because the film brings all the different issues that the world is facing, all the effects of what The Matrix did, the cool things it did, and also the other problems it presented, right? And kind of how storytelling and everything is going towards this mass marketing machine, which is true, which I actually kind of love, right? Um, 
and seeing all that in the film play out, I thought, especially the first act, the first half an hour, 45 minutes, was expertly handled. I thought it was beautiful. I thought the storytelling was painful, honestly, to watch it. To see the Neo was definitely more than ever channeling the director and what the director was experiencing, Lana, Lana Wachowski. Um and they, they acknowledge it in the film even, right? You kind of basically can see like the director talking right to you, which in lots of films can easily become preachy. But being that, you know, the, the, the Matrix means a lot of different things to a lot of different people. You know, they, they mention that in the film also. They talk about how there's a great scene where all these people are in a room kind of spitballing how to make The Matrix 4, even though you're like 20 minutes into watching The Matrix 4. And one of the things they talk about is is how the movie might be about like you know commercialism or like you know trans politics or um, these different philosophies and things. Some people obviously the Bible and there's some you know, the Jesus references and stuff like that. And looking at it and listening to what Neo is saying and understanding who the director is and the director's journey, it was painful to consider a lot of the messages where they talk about how, you know, when you're growing up, you're programmed to be a certain kind of way based on the environment you have, right? The world is is programming you, trying to teach you how you're supposed to be. And then if you have that feeling that you're something else, what do you do about that? What is it like to live like that? And that's what Neo is experiencing because he's inside of a new fake matrix. But obviously you could, not saying I can't I can't ever say that this is what the creator was 100% saying, but I don't think it's too far of a reach to assume the director is talking about the trans experience. I believe I've seen an interview where the director was saying that the matrix is about transitioning and, and that whole experience. And one thing I thought was even more painful though is this kind of a message saying that you know, we sometimes easily drown out reality with fiction. It's easier to, there's a great line written on the bathroom stall, I think, in the movie that says, um, it's easier to bear reality than it is to give up your dreams. And I was like, man, that's powerful, right? And then I thought about what it must have been like for the Wachowskis when they were creating all these things and they thought all these things were cool. And I guess for them, their reality was that they themselves felt like they needed to transition and be something than what they were raised to be. So instead of doing that, they were making the Matrix. And I, I guess we all can do that. Instead of you know um, facing the problems that we probably need to face, the true things that make us happy, sometimes we create these stories in our head, these fantasies, these visualizations of ourselves, these things that we want to do instead of really focusing on the things that we should be doing or the things that maybe are more real, if that's what, what matters. But then the movie, instead of getting too preachy, also presents the idea of well, what is real, right? If everything that's in our memory gets altered because it's our memory and basically becomes a fiction we tell ourselves about our past, then what is real, right? What are you really doing? Everything you're experiencing, you're basically digesting it and making it into a fiction in your head, so what does it even really matter what happened? That's a great idea when you think about, you know, two people, right? You always can see two people who maybe are not together anymore, right? A relationship ends, and then both of those people will go tell people different versions of why that story ended. And then those people who hear that story will then make a decision based on that story. And to them, that's their perception of reality. But what was actually real? Everyone's now living in a narrative created by those two people. And unless you were actually there and you knew what was going on in their minds, which is kind of impossible, you don't really know what was real. So even, again, Matrix presenting new philosophy, I think it's successful because as you're watching the film, you're now asking yourself questions about your real life and yourself. 
while you're watching the action film. And that is what makes The Matrix awesome. What whether it's whatever however you interpret it, that's fine. But if it's doing that for you on any level, if it's making you question anything about your real life while also blowing things up at the same time, that is the unique combo that The Matrix brings. So for that, again, I give that an A+. They passed. They succeeded on those two pillars that I think are important to making a Matrix film. Um, In comparison, I don't know if The Matrix 2 and 3 really provided that kind of philosophy that was provided in Part 1. They provided action, a lot, a lot of action. And also the action in some points, which I enjoyed, I understood at the time as a moviegoer, I could suspend my disbelief. I understood that it wasn't going to be photorealistic at the time, but I know people had criticisms about how the action looked, which is not an issue in this one. So like some of the CGI and stuff that they use was maybe a bit too ambitious. They're pushing the actors and the scenes way beyond what they could do and trying to basically make up with it, make up for it with CGI. And I think sometimes for people... It just didn't look the way they wanted it to look. So I know two I think is pretty loved. Three I think is the one where they go so, so far. Um, And I think it got away from really focusing on philosophy. I think it really became just this big all-out action movie. And I'm sure there are philosophical concepts that are presented in two and three, but they don't spring to mind. I think more about choice, the, you know, the, the basically like is it futile to make choice and um, you know, how they're all going to be doomed. And then a lot of the things that happened, like, I think in Matrix 2 and 3 focused a lot more on expanding fiction, like showing you what other cool things could happen in the world, like having exiles, old computer programs that they didn't need anymore from old Matrixes, right? So if you had, like, an old vampire that you could bring him over or something like that. That stuff is kind of fun and maybe better explored in a video game because um, when you're watching the movie, there's a it's not really driving the plot of the movie. It doesn't really matter if there's vampires or werewolves in the Matrix in the movie, um, and it's not about that. So there's a lot of that that happens, I think, that kind of messes up the flow a little bit of 2 and 3, which is I love as a fan. I'm like, oh, they don't learn all these cool things about this world, but I can understand how the moviegoers who didn't plan on playing the video games or reading the comics or watching the Animatrix, they just wanted to see the story of Neo and Trinity and Morpheus, you know, being moved forward. And whenever you're doing a movie, that is kind of the main goal. So I think that um, 2 and 3 kind of did a lot of that and didn't focus so much on new cool philosophy things. And it may just have been that it was so close to part 1 that there wasn't much new ground or new ideas to really, you know, tread on yet. However, speaking more about Matrix 4, that's pretty much what I'm saying. I think those are the two pillars that you have to basically do. Um... Also, I think that you you can't cheat, right? That's another problem with Matrix 4, is that in Matrix 3, and if you haven't seen it by now, again, this is all spoilers, in Matrix 3, Trinity dies, Neo seemingly dies, um, and everything ends. They pretty much get rid of what the Matrix was, at least in its controlling state, so you know, it's not a bad thing anymore. Um, if, you, if you believe everything that happens at the end of 3, I think the trilogy was really written... Um, in a Return of the Jedi kind of way. Like, this is over. We're not making any more of these. And then they did have plans to make a video game, which was The Matrix Online. They kind of stayed in that moment. It stayed in that dark matrix. They didn't all unplug everybody. And you got to kind of just play there. And that was that game. So I don't think they, they really had much intention of moving forward with anything. And that's why they decided to do what they did with their characters. However, when Matrix 4 comes out, the, the problem comes of, you know, do you create a whole new cast? 
do you act like they're just like legends and we don't do anything? And they end up being in the same conundrum Star Wars was when they released Force Awakens. And I feel like they learned, like a lot of people do, they learn from George Lucas, luckily, right? They learn from Star Wars, and they say, okay, we're, we're going to do this, and we're not going to do this, right? So I have to give Star Wars credit. I'm not saying The Matrix 4 is better than The Force Awakens, um, because it gets to come after The Force Awakens, and you get to see how everyone reacts to that method, and then modify your plan. So it's kind of cheating in that way, where, um, you know, you, basically, you know, someone went through that door first. So Star Wars is one of the first franchises that, are, that was rebooted in modern times. And it's it was overall success, right? But The Force Awakens was very similar to the first um, Star Wars movie. They kind of just remade the movie with just a few different characters, right? That was their plan. And in The Matrix 4, they literally have a line that says, like, we don't just want to remake Matrix 1. Because they're treating The Matrix 4 in the movie as a video game and there's a bunch of that meta stuff which again i feel like matrix invented meta that self-referential thing where they're inside the game or inside the movie you're watching but they're aware somehow of you know the outside world so i thought that was cool but what they do is they decide to bring back neo and trinity and you don't even know why and honestly it doesn't even matter because again like the first hour of the movie they don't explain it and who cares like when you're watching it you just don't care they're there you want them to be there right but if they don't get to a place by the end of it, you're going to feel cheated as a fan if there's not a satisfying story. And I thought there was a satisfying story. And I thought there was a very interesting plot to come up with, right? Basically, what they, they show is that the machines, being as advanced as they are, um, could bring them back to life, right? They could basically rebuild them. And it, would, it makes sense. I mean, they're so far into the future. I think The Matrix 1 says they don't know how far into the future it is, but they think it, I think it's the 100, year, 100 years or so of technology, basically improving technology, because the machines live on themselves and they can improve themselves, which you learn from the Animatrix, one of the first things the machine learns how to do. So it makes sense that they could rebuild a human, right? Or maybe bring them back to life or whatever, right? Fix the things that are wrong with them. They'd be able to do that. Um, but even in the film, they explain it's a very difficult thing for them to do. It's not like it's super easy, you know, just because they're machines. So I thought that was a fair, you know, plot point. Then, um, you know, the reason they rebuild Trinity with Neo is because the the person who's the analyst, he um he explains that when he's building a new matrix, he found the best way to get power was to have humans in that state where they right before getting that thing that they really want. That that was when they were the most productive and very high energy. So after they got what they wanted, Typically, then it all ends and kind of eventually goes bad. And then before, where they don't know what they want, they're kind of in this, like, lost state, which I think was what you would call the Matrix 1 and where Neo is when he's first walking around. And I thought that was a great story. And again, more philosophy. I thought that was really true. I mean, how many of us can relate to that, that before the relationship phase, right? When you're looking at someone and you're thinking, will he, won't he, uh, will she, won't she, trying to get there you feel so alive in that point um and i thought again it was like a clever way it was fair it was a fair storytelling for you to take that concept and weave it into why the fourth matrix was designed the way it was designed why neo and trinity are near each other um all those things you would think obviously like lock her away don't don't bring her back she's just gonna be trouble so I bravo that's I never would have thought of that right I don't I don't think most writers would have thought of that I think a lot of people who have an over online over the years 
whenever I heard someone spit out a reason why the Matrix would come back, pretty much everyone thought, because we want to have fun. We want to jump around with guns and play in that world. So just, you know, do Matrix online, but better, right? Have Make it into Fortnite, basically, right? Just turn it on. We can jump around, shoot agents, drive cars. Um, that's I never really heard really a great story as to why the Matrix should come back. So I think that's a pretty solid story. It makes sense as to why the, you know the machines would still use that for energy, um, and then having all the people who want to stay inside the matrix who don't want to get freed. I thought that was really a good a good way to look at it too, right? Because that kind of again echoes what's going on in our current society, right? Have people who don't want to become proactive, who don't want to get involved in you know politics or other social issues, and want to enjoy all the great technology that exists, right? So again, I'm like, yeah, I mean, I'm buying all these things. I don't see a reason why any of these things don't make sense. So I think they did a great job at finding a new story to tell. Now, that again, I can give it an A. Beyond this point is where I'm going to say that as a fan, you're going to start becoming divided on what happens next because they introduce all the characters that you knew. They have some cool new ideas, some cool new tech um, like the modal they keep talking about that he creates that allows him to basically run through old scenarios. I thought that was cool because you have to see the old scenarios. They talk about nostalgia, how nostalgia helps ease the transition into what's what you're currently seeing on the screen. It helps you kind of see the old Morpheus in a video while you're being introduced to um, a new Morpheus. Which, by the way, if you don't know, you should. I don't know why you're listening to this if you haven't watched the movie. But you know he's not he's not actually Morpheus. He's something that Neo himself created. And it's very cool, I thought, the way they handled the beginning of that, where now you're seeing a machine being freed, and the person who created him is a human. So Neo creates the second Morpheus with a form of control to do an experiment on him, which is what the machines were doing basically to humans. So that's kind of messed up, um, and you can see that on the other side of it. And they free, they end up deciding to free that Morpheus from the Matrix, and he's, he's a machine, he's not a person, right? So he's not a replacement for the real Morpheus, He's not a younger version of Morpheus or any other theories. He is literally a copy of Morpheus that, that was created by Neo, right, for his new game that he was working on called Binary. Um, he was running some some tests, basically. And it, it don't, you don't really know if he was running the test for the game Binary or he was running the test, like, because he felt compelled to, like, be around Morpheus. You don't, you don't, they don't really get into it, but you can interpret that different way. A lot of what happens after... Those things I already mentioned becomes interpretation. You know, I can see people online saying that they don't like how the movie kind of, you know, complains about making a sequel, then makes a sequel, right? And I thought that was a fair thing to complain about. If, you, if you're watching the movie and you see how much the director and everyone's saying that they shouldn't make any more movies, and then they go on the mission, which is the movie, it's kind of, you're kind of like, well, why are you doing that? And I think what's missed there is... The, the fact that The Matrix should be making about a billion dollars a year for Warner Brothers. Um, and over the last 18 years, it hasn't, right? Because they stopped making them. So if you're a company, if you work anywhere, and you're thinking of what's the next movies you guys should be funding this year, and someone keeps yelling to you, hey, why aren't we making Matrix films? And you know, directors didn't want to make them anymore, and they said it was over. Um, if you're Warner Brothers, you have to be kicking yourselves and say, no, we have to. We can't just leave. That's $20 billion possibly over the last 18 years um, through merchandising, video games, so many opportunities they missed out on where they could have um, you know, basically exploited or made more money off of The Matrix, and they didn't because the movies were over. So I think there's a great conversation when they're talking to Neo 
I believe it's like one of the boardroom scenes. And it talking about how like these choices that sometimes you think we have aren't choices at all. You know, either you let someone else make the matrix or you make the matrix. It's not a choice because you don't want to make the matrix. That's what the director is saying. But you don't want to see someone else make the next matrix, at least not the very next one. Right. I guess they want to be able to at least be in charge of where the story goes if they have to hand it off to people. And they had the options to do that. Um, and luckily they did. So it still sucks for them, I'm sure, to have to answer all these questions and do something they don't want to do with basically their baby, right? They, they come up with this idea, and, and Warner Brothers saying, hey, with or without you, we're going to go forward. So, you know, you'd rather be down and do it, and you have to go do it, right? So I think it's unfair for the critics I see that are criticizing the fact that the Matrix kind of is aware that there shouldn't be more Matrix movies because there is no choice. There's going to be more Matrix movies. Whether we got Matrix 4 or Warner Brothers made Matrix with someone else. And they did who knows what they would have did. Um, and I don't even know if they would have understood the way to do it. I think them having a Wachowski back in the, in the seat here, they did bring all those things and kind of gave the future filmmakers that might work on the Matrix the recipe book. They said literally in the movie, so the whole audience would know, so Warner Brothers would know, so everyone would know, is is bit mythos in the movie. These are the things that make the Matrix work. So if you guys are going to do more Matrix movies, this is what it should be about. If you're not doing these things with these things in mind, don't don't do it, right? And hopefully, whoever comes next will be able to expand upon that, right? Um, but what comes next is a mission that I feel like is a little difficult to to really go with, right? Because there's a lot of different things that have to change for this whole movie to happen. So Neo's in a new Matrix. There's a new person who's kind of like the architect called the Analyst, um, who I think is an improvement over the architect. He's more of a formidable villain. He moves around. He has powers. Um, and there's a, there's another problem where Bullet Time was revolutionary. He had to come up with... The, the Matrix makers had to come up with something um, that's better than Bullet Time. And I don't know if the new version of Bullet Time I would call better than Bullet Time only because we've seen slow motion scenes and how elaborate they can be a lot with Quicksilver in the different Marvel movies. And this is, again, the impossible task. You, you lay at the feet of the Matrix, right? Uh, everyone's come after them the same way they're coming after Star Wars and Force Awakens. And they've done multimedia franchises. They've made um, people Marvel, DC, uh, Universal. Everyone's coming and making these other big blockbuster films after what the Matrix had done. You have the actors working out now. You have the actors learning how to fight, doing some of their own stunts. These are now commonplace. These were all extremely unheard of when The Matrix first did them. Um, but because The Matrix has been gone for 18 years, I don't think it has the legacy that it should because no one's around holding that legacy up. So that's that's at the fault of either Warner Brothers or the Wachowskis for not making other movies. I feel like they're kind of coming back to reclaim their throne in a way. But, um, yeah, but the story that was Matrix 3 was a story to end all Matrixes. So they have to come up with a way to keep it going. And the, the analyst has this new power, this new other kind of bullet time, which is pretty cool. And then Neo, you know, he's not going to be able to fight and move. And I thought this was smart, but also not something that you want to see is, you know, he's older. So he can't fight like Neo. And in the video game, you would think maybe he could fight like Neo, but he can't. Right, without without making him look horrible, without having stuntmen do all the fighting, um, it would just be not what the Matrix is. The Matrix, when you watch the fight scenes, you should see their face. There's literally one stunt where you can't see Neo's face, which I'm pretty sure was a stuntman, um, and it stands out even as they as well as they try to hide it because you're just so used to how the Matrix is shot. The cinematography in the movie is great. I have to mention that. 
But the one time I don't see Neo's face when he's fighting, I'm like, that was a stunt man. And as the stunt was remarkable and the way he was moving and stuff, I'm like, well, I'm glad he did that one stunt and they didn't make a whole movie like that. Um, instead, they rely on him having more of a telekinesis type power, which is cool because I think that draws a parallel to how we are as we're, as humans. When we're younger, we can rely more on our physicality. As you get older, you have to rely more on your mind. You become wiser. And I think that's where, where Neo is fighting from in the film, which is pretty cool. And it's different, right? Because if you think he's going to jump and kick somebody, he might unleash some kind of psionic wave and, and blow a bunch of things up or whatever, which is a new, new kind of way to look at it, right? So as a fan, you might not like that. That's why I'm saying here is when people, I think, start to get divided. When I'm reading the reviews um, on Rotten, I, I do like Rotten because I don't just look at the score. I look at the people and see what they're saying. I try to get a general consensus of what people are saying and then try to understand the, the perspective they're coming from. Um, number one, you speak on why I'm going to reference Rotten a few times, so let me give you a little sidebar about Rotten. Um, if you've never seen any Matrix movies, I don't know why you're watching Matrix 4. So your review at that point is completely stupid, right? I don't know why anyone will come in on HBO Max, all the Matrixes have been up there for a few months. You know this is coming. Um, so people who are co commenting on the film who maybe didn't get it, I don't. I mean, you can't come into the Matrix. It's not your fault, I guess, for not understanding how complex the story could be. But I would say the same thing for like Star Wars, like eight. Like, don't go watch Star Wars eight without watching other Star Wars films, right? This this isn't that, right? Maybe you can maybe you can go into like Fast and Furious eight. And maybe the story isn't that heavily woven for you to be able to enjoy it. But I think that's, again, it's a, it's a weird movie watcher to me that, that's going to watch The Matrix 4 and then, you know, review it on that. Also, um, don't come into the movie beholden to part one, two, and three. This is not part one, two, and three. It's 20 years later. Um, the actors are not going to be the same actors. You, you know who's in the film. Um, you know these things before you can watch the film. So to see someone watch the film and then they're still upset that Morpheus isn't in the film or that the actors are different or the actors are older, I don't understand. Like, you're just being unrealistic. And that, I think that's something they, they address in the film where you talk about the unrealistic expectations people have over a film that has real humans in it. Like, people are in this film. If it was animated, we wouldn't like that either, right? And the Animatrix is cool, but, like, it's not as good as Matrix 1, 2, and 3. No one talks about it that way. Um, so you have to set some expectations for yourself when you go into whatever the story is. You understand there's a search situation here. Again, people don't want to. They can they can write whatever review they want to. But as far as what I'm considering when I'm looking at the reviews, I don't think they're fair. I think that they're biased, right? Because they're coming in with this other kind of thing in mind. However, let me go to Rotten actually before we move on, and I want to pull up some good reviews, some good quotes, um, some good healthy criticisms that I think are valid that I think um, you know we should share. Because again, I'm looking for the most unbiased, I want to put together hopefully my most unbiased breakdown over something that I'm obviously a big fan of, but I want to make sure that we give attention to all the points here, right? So there's some really good ones. I thought these are fair. I'm pulling up Rotten right now. Let's go look to see where we're at here. So currently, um, and this has changed throughout the day, but we're at about 70% um, from the, the critics. There's 176 credits right now, and over 100 people have viewed it and, and did, you know, verified account reviews. For the audience, they're sitting around 80%, which is cool. Um, let's go in and check out some of the reviews. So from the critics, which I do always believe that there should be some respect given to people who do this based on who they are, right? Top critics and stuff like that. Um, let me see here. Um, do, 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 do. I mean, these are all praises. Everyone's kind of praising it right now. 
I'm going to find a criticism. Let me look at the bad ones. <laughs> the Matrix Resurrection is roughly 80% exposition, telling you what's going on, and I still don't understand a damn thing that was happening in this movie. That's fair. That's a fair criticism from Mike... Um, I, I'm going to butcher your name. From I'll see, you know, uh, magazine or website or whatever. Um, that is fair. He, he he rated it really low. He gave it like a 2 out of 4 or whatever. I don't think that's cool, but I mean, I the movie has a lot of scenes that talk, which... You know, not as bad as maybe two and three, but they explain a lot of fake science, which is which is going to happen in sci-fi. I always think it's funny. I always try when I'm doing my writing. Again, I'm not perfect or anything like that, but I always try to keep my fake science explanations to a minimum. I think Marvel does fake science the best. They usually can reduce it to one or two sentences, and that should be it because it's fake science. It's kind of ridiculous, even as a sci-fi fan, in my opinion, to spend a whole lot of time explaining science is not real, right? Because um, magic doesn't do that, right? Magic is the same kind of fantasy. Um, and there's like abracadabra, and it happens, and no one ever asks anyone to explain it. We all know we're watching a, sci- um, a magic movie. It's cool in science, and I do it also. We explain a little bit of it, but sometimes in The Matrix, they talk a lot about things that aren't going to matter. Like if you have, they explain that there's robots that are like human sympathizers and then they help the humans build things okay that's it that's all we need to know and then when they kind of show you some of their personality and how they feel about certain things um i'm like i i don't again now you're losing me i don't know if i care about that um there's a lot of talk about the bio sky inside io which is the new city that the humans are living in and I don't know if I care about how that works. And they edited the genome of the strawberry to make the strawberry grow. Because I guess we're supposed to realize that an artificial sky wouldn't actually make fruits and vegetables grow. I didn't know all that. And I don't. And none of this matters. None of this really matters to draw in the plot. And if you're going to make a Matrix game that's coming out next year and we're going to grow strawberries, okay, maybe you, had, you use this as an opportunity to teach me that. But what I think, from especially for Matrix fans, after Matrix 2 and 3, we learned a whole lot of fake science that never went anywhere. That didn't move the plot forward of the, of the film and did not serve another purpose. Like, if you're playing a game and you're learning about the game and then you go and it kind of expands on the game, which was happening in the first uh, Matrix movies when they did the two Matrix video games, then that was kind of cool as a fan. Um, but I do understand that people who watch the movie are saying, I'm not going to go play the games. I just want you to focus on the movie. So perhaps some of those scenes could have been more focused on the characters doing stuff and getting around and, you know, through their actions, you learning more about the world. But there is a lot of exposition in The Matrix. I don't hate it, but I do feel like that's a fair criticism. And that's what I want to do here. I just want to take some time to point out some of the criticisms I think people have online that are fair. Um, let me see some other, another one here. See, some people just are just mean people, right? This guy says, um, Inception tackled the idea of playing around in a constructed world with better results. And Free Guy went down so much more easily because it makes the makers had no pretensions to great art. Look, man. <laughs> Look, um, lady. Is this lady? Uh, Kristen M. Lynn from Fort Worth Weekly. Look, I... The Matrix is art. They like art. There's lots of funny. There's even there's a great scene. Like I feel like you don't watch the movie. There's a scene with the Merodivision. He shows up, which 
I love the Merodivision, and I wish he would have showed up differently as a fan. But he's talking about this exact point, right? In the Matrix, there there was an appreciation for art, right? There was the Merodivision loved art. The director loves art, right? And Hollywood as a whole, all these directors and writers that are crying foul for what's happened to media and how media has basically become just a way to trigger people's behavior into buying more stuff. Um, I love new media. I am an advocate. I am a child of these things. However, I understand what they are saying and why they want things to be artistic. So if you're watching The Matrix and you don't like the fact that they try to be artistic at times, why are you watching The Matrix? I don't know why you're here, right? Like, that's kind of a, a staple of it. The fashion in The Matrix are crazy. Just the fashion alone. Cinematography is amazing. Everything looked beautiful and exotic, and they have um even like when they get into the tribal outfits and stuff like that, you can tell all the attention to detail they put into their world building. So when you're sitting there looking at it and you're upset that like you're comparing it to the free guy, um and talking about how like just the theme of living in a construct, uh, this is not that movie, right? This is not a comedy, right? And then Inception, which is also a great film, Inception doesn't really get into the concept of living in a construct, right? It's, it's not it's not even that same idea. So I feel like you even don't even know what you're talking about when it comes to movies. Inception's talking about, you know, the idea of putting ideas in people's heads, not living in a construct, right? The the fact that his wife or his, his, his girl gets caught up in the one in her mind or whatever, that's not the same thing, right? So, I, again, th these are the people who are bringing the score down with their, like, ones and twos. And I'm like, okay, well, you know... It's it's you're not really giving a, a great criticism. I'll, I'll pick one more out of here. Let me see. One here's another one. This is the last one I'll go with. Let me see if there's anything else. Up. Um, yeah, I, I read a few of them. The one I'll go with that I mentioned in the podcast is one practically needs a PhD in matrixology to uh, to phase much of what's happening into this long gestating. And at two and a half hours long, wide-eyed, and fourth entry into the franchise. This is Frank Swelko from One Guy's Opinion. That's fair. At least your publication is, is pretty is pretty fair. Um, and he gave it a D. So, yeah, Frank. Uh, again, man, it's like this is what Matrix fans like. It's like saying that you have to know about Star Wars to watch Star Wars. I did not like in The Last Jedi when like Ray's putting her hand out and then Luke like puts the little the little tingling thing on her hand. He's like, ooh, do you feel the tingling thing? Ooh. And like slaps her hand. Like, ooh, that's that's what the force feels like. And like they made fun of the force, which is the whole reason anyone's here watching this movie. It's like if you think it's stupid or you don't think that you should give this the mythos any respect, the story should have any respect, why like the, it that breaks the whole reality. Luke Skywalker whether you as a creator or a writer don't like Star Wars or you think the Force is stupid or too, or people will give it too much reverence, that's fine. But you're not Luke Skywalker. You're a director or a writer who's creating something. So to make the character Luke Skywalker simply because you got the job say these ridic ridiculous things about the Force, it makes this whole movie not even believable anymore. The whole story isn't believable. You just turn it into pure fiction. Now it's a parody of itself. But it's actually in a really important part of the movie when Luke Skywalker is teaching his next student the ways of the Force. Like, it's like watching a Kung Fu movie. And then in the middle of the Kung Fu movie, the teacher who's talking about Kung Fu is like, yeah, this is stupid. We should, like, go watch TV. Like, wait a second. Why are we watching a Kung Fu movie? We came here to watch this. You're robbing us 
of the story, right? We are here for the escapism. We're here to understand this story, interpret it in some kind of way that helps us in our lives, and then give you that escapism from whatever your real life is. Don't bring your jaded bullshit into the writing process, into the movie-making process, into your reviewing process. People who watch The Matrix understand The Matrix. Case in point, when I knew it was coming out, my wife said, um, I said, oh, The Matrix is coming out tomorrow. I'm so excited. And she was like, yeah, I'll probably skip that one. You could watch it. And my response was, fair enough. <laughs> I understand. If it's not for you, why am I going to try to make you watch it? I did not expect it to be when this is what everyone expects all art to be. Everyone expects all art to be like Avengers. And I love Avengers, and I want my art to be like Avengers. So I'm not crapping on the Avengers in any kind of way. But I do understand that not every single person wants to make the Avengers film. And maybe every film shouldn't be the Avengers film. Meaning, every film shouldn't be super easy to digest. Super, have have no expectation on the viewer at all to come into the story, right? Not, you're not making the viewer do any work. I respect the fact that some filmmakers out there still want to make the viewer do some work. Does that mean some people aren't going to watch the film? Yes. And if you're comfortable with that, cool. All power to you, right? Hopefully for the studio, as long as you make your money back, you should be fine. And The Matrix 4 seems to be in a decent position. I do believe people will still go see it in theaters. I saw it twice on the stream. I'm going to go see it in theaters. If I can get to an IMAX theater or something like that, I'm going to go see it there. I do think the visuals are good enough for that. Were the visuals like something I have to go see in theaters? I don't know. I mean, because again, we're so used to all the great visuals we see in films. I just saw Spider-Man No Way Home last week. Phenomenal, right? Visuals out of, out of the park, right? So um, even though I would like to see Spider-Man again in theaters too. So I will try to make it to the theaters to see The Matrix. And I imagine, excuse me, they will make some money that way. But then HBO Max got it covered with the rest of the money. What's most important happened at the end of this whole thing I think they moved the Matrix into a place where now they can go ahead and they can do future movies. Let me take a pause there for a commercial break and see why my daughter's knocking on the door. And we are back. My daughter needed some crowns. So got got that done, right? Um, and yeah, I mean, this is something too, looking at the Matrix. Like, I'm going to be talking about this for weeks. I, I mean, I don't, I don't even know. There's so much to really unpack. I could probably do a whole scene-by-scene scene breakdown of the whole thing. Um, it was it was that good. Um, again, you know, I think there's so much to, to call attention to because I the first thing that happens in this situation, and I understand it happens to all movies, so The Matrix isn't exempt, even though I'm a fan, is that people jump right into the criticism. Is that people watch it to criticize it, right? Um, they watch it and say, is it good? I don't think it's going to be good. Let's go see. Ah, it wasn't good. Like, that's what they show up for, right? So I went into it. I do all films. I saw Venom 2 uh, a week or two ago. And I heard really bad things about Venom 2 before I went to go see Venom. I heard worse things I heard about Venom 1. Um, Venom 1, I had the same situation. People didn't like Venom 1 too much, what I, what I kind of heard. But I enjoyed it. I went into it trying to enjoy it, not to criticize it. I thought Venom 1 was, was decent. Um, Venom 2, I went into it to enjoy it. I love Woody Harrelson. I love the character Carnage and Venom. I was really excited about what would happen. And I, you know, my little take on Venom 2, I kind of liked it um, pretty much until they got towards the end. And I was literally saying to myself, why in God's name are you guys doing these things? Whatever, right? But again, I tried to enjoy it and I, I pushed through it. But I definitely understood people's criticisms for that. Um, so The Matrix 4, I think, you know, when you get into how the, the, the crescendo, right? You get to the end. How are you going to make this whole thing, you know, work? 
And you have this mission where you have to go, you know, save Trinity. And it's some kind of some, some cool ideas are introduced here where the other robots and machines are kind of helping them. Um, you have Morpheus, who in the real world, I, I, there's no way I'm gonna say can say what he was. Basically, he's like a synthesized um, squid thing where all the, like the basically squids move and form who he is. Sure, right? I mean, is Tony Stark does it every single day with nanotech inside Marvel? That's an everyday thing now, right? So. In the first movie, when you see the baby's face, is that technology, but more refined. It's 60 years later in the real world, so more refined. It's smaller. At this point, you can see a whole, basically, person of Morpheus in the real world, even though he's a computer program. And they use him in an interesting way to get into this, this world. There's a lot of concepts to get into Trinity's Chamber. There's a lot of concepts that happen. They start introducing all these concepts. Number one... The other thing besides telekinesis and the new bullet time is the concept of swarming. I think that's cool. I think that's kind of an homage to over the last 10, 15 years when the Matrix wasn't around, zombies were around. People love zombies. They love that concept. And they introduced that concept in the Matrix, which makes sense because at the end of Matrix 3, um, when, when Smith literally took over everyone and they all look like Smith, he had a whole army of endless Smiths, right? So that's now changed because in this Matrix, they talk a lot about changing how you look and how you perceive yourself, which is a theme in the film. But they explain that people can basically be bots and the agents can enter the bots and not make themselves look like agents and just keep on basically using the, the bots to, to fight. Also, they can swarm where they basically just make everyone go crazy and attack in the way they want them to attack. So it ups the ante of danger when you're inside the Matrix and you get discovered. It's not just an agent chasing you. Every single thing can chase you, and they get super destructive. They can basically just throw themselves at you, and they use them at one point as kind of as bombs where they're trying to throw themselves in front of the motorcycle to knock the motorcycle over. Um, from a spectacle standpoint, it just got insane. It was it was literally... Um, there's, when they're on a train and they're in Tokyo, it reminds me of scenes from... Um, I think it's called Train, uh, train to Bushin, which is a big, big popular Japanese horror film, or I think it might have been Korean horror film, actually. An Asian horror film, let's just say that. Um, yeah, and it was that was a huge success, and they have that kind of vibe in one of the scenes. And then they kind of go across the city, and you get basically a zombie film inside the Matrix film when you consider those things. And I thought that was really fun. If they make it into a game, if it matters, if they add that feature into future Matrix games or other products, that's another new interesting thing they introduce to the world. Um other thing I thought was cool was I, I took some notes here. Let me just go over these things. How the operator shows up in the real world or shows up in the Matrix. I thought it was not fun, the operator, um, in the first films where they're kind of stuck in the chair. And they don't show that the operator can be touched or hurt inside the Matrix. So it could have been just like a cinematography thing where when he's, the operator's talking, they show him in the world. But the way he was looking around and stuff, it made it seem cooler, as if the operator can maybe show up as a ghost and be in that world. Um, maybe only you can see him. I don't know. I can't think of if the actor was looking at the operator at any point. Um, but visually, much, much better. Instead of constantly cutting back and taking you out the scene to show some guy sitting in a chair looking at computer screens, um, having the operator inside, I thought was better for a cinematography basically standpoint. There's some awesome, a lot of beautiful scenes from a cinematography standpoint. Again, talking about the art, I love Marvel, and I love the way they do things, but I wouldn't say that they focus on great cinematography. There are some scenes that are really good. 
a lot of hero poses, a lot of cool looking action. But what I'm talking about is there's lots of scenes in the Matrix where they're showing you visuals that mean something as opposed to invoke an emotion. No one might even be talking. Um, and I do like that they still had that in this film and everything looked gorgeous, like I mentioned before. Um, I like that you could walk through the models or the, the modals, right? I like that they, that you presented a concept. Like, you don't, they don't even talk about it much, but there's a Trinity in the movie who's an actress that I don't have no idea who she was. I, she might have just been a stunt woman. But the whole opening scene is, is played out expertly, and the fight is great, and it's not the, the Bugs character, who's kind of like the new spiritual successor to Trinity. It's just another random actress who is basically Trinity, but she doesn't look exactly like Trinity. And I think that's supposed to ease you into the concept that Morpheus doesn't look exactly like Morpheus, even though both of those people are made by Neo. They're characters in his modal that he made. So they started showing some, some new concepts that Marvel did with the multiverse. And the Matrix has done in a very original way where there's this concept of that inside your video game, inside the Matrix, you don't have to look exactly like you or how you picture yourself. You can look like practically anything. And that is what we do when we play video games. We create avatars, right? We go into the game and do different things. Another interesting concept, Bugs gets inside Trinity's body, which people are not going to recognize and not going to understand. That was a scene I'm like, yeah, even I have to watch this again to really try to understand that Carrie Ann Moss playing Trinity on that second half of that motorcycle scene is not Trinity. It's Bugs inside of Trinity's avatar. Which is just like handing your friend a remote. If I'm online playing as Sammy Rye in Fortnite, and I'm walking around and I'm using my Silver Surfer skin or whatever, right? And I'm talking to you online, and you're playing with me. And then I say, okay, well, I gotta, I gotta go to the bathroom here, and I hand the controller to someone else. You're still online playing with Sammy Rye, but now you might hear this other person's voice or the other person's skill and how they control my character might be slightly different because they're not actually me. However, in the game, they're on your team, and they are me, right? They still are that person. And they had to do that to get the physical Trinity out of the Machine City while helping Neo still fight inside the Matrix. I'm hearing myself as I say this out loud. It's a lot of mental work for people to have to follow all these things, and I understand that. And that's something that is fun as a Matrix fan. When you go in and you break these things down, you watch it over and over again. But I understand that someone's just sitting there watching it the first time and they don't get that whole experience or they don't see those things or even think those things are even cool. Um, maybe they don't care that that's a, you know, a reference to how video games work or whatever. Whatever. So I think um, that those, are, those are places where, again, I see people you know, divulge and go to different, different ways. Does it you know, rate anyone a 1 out of 5? I don't think so. That's, again, I think emotional reactions, people being kind of extreme. But I do see why, you know, I don't think people, everyone's going to give it a perfect score. Not that the score matters so much. That's, that scores and reviews is just a way of expressing a, a level of feeling. How much you feel this was good, how much you feel was bad. And A, B, and C, uh, 100 to 0. These are just, you know, typical ways people rate things. Um, it's just trying to basically express their emotions. So and I, I'm not, like, obsessed with the score. I think the score matters. I think this is a good way to say how strongly you feel about something. Um, and yeah, I mean, there's some other things I think that were really cool. I think the whole opening sequence, when you see them freeing the digital version of Morpheus, that to me I thought was a really cool scene to show you. You know, they, they always do this in movies where they try to make you care about the robots, the androids. And it's hard because they're not us and how much can you care about that. 
But in The Matrix, I think it works a lot better because they start asking you questions about why do you care so much about you? Why do you care so much about other people? Um, When Neo was confronted with the situation of him risking Io to go save Trinity, it's not a choice. You have to go save Trinity. You have to. But when Niobe's character is trying to explain to him, hey, like, you're going to do that even though this other thing's going to happen, it's like, I can't, he can't make the decision not to go. He has to go. So I think, you know, you look at that and say, well, that, well does he care about all those people? That's not what a hero would do. You got to go save your girl. You're not going to leave her there because maybe something's going to happen. Like, you, you have to deal with that later or those people have to, you know, protect themselves and deal with it. You're not, he can't, put all that responsibility on him you have to go save your family or the person you care about so in that kind of a film where they ask those kind of questions and characters make those kind of decisions i think it's easier to understand these robots these synthetic creatures that want to live or want to have you know um more respect and you see that they're playing a part in the world and they're helping humans in a way and coexisting I think when you're having these conversations about identity, it's something that's going on again in the real world right now. It, you have to ask yourself the question of why would a robot not get to live? If we get to live, there's no reason we have to kill this robot. It wants to live. It wants to be good. Why do we feel that we have the power over this thing to change it or to destroy it? Because that's what we're saying the society shouldn't be doing to us. They shouldn't have the power to feel like they should go to a person and take their one life that they have to live and make them feel like they can't be who they are or basically, you know, destroy them or try to force them to change. So why are we doing it to these robots? I think in that vein, it becomes easier to understand the the robot and sympathize with the robot character. Where I don't have the same feeling in Westworld when I'm watching Westworld. I like Westworld, um, but I don't think that they've made a good case or, or frame the situation in a way that make you really understand the robot situation. I, and again, that's not, I'm not a whole breakdown on Westworld right now, but I think that's a very different thing that happens in the matrix that they handled well here. The other thing I thought was cool was that they made other improvements on how the matrix works. You know, the fact that you can enter mirrors, you can enter doors. They have basically access to the key makers technology. It just makes the film flow smoother Them having to make it to, you know, a phone that has a wire connected to it. Kind of, that's kind of a, a callback to 56k modems we're so far from that so that was something that was interesting to see how would they handle you loading in and loading out of the matrix you just load in right like the same way you load into a video game your character just appears once you hit start once you hit load you're in there now um and it doesn't look like they had to run to a mirror to get out it seemed like they could just get unplugged or just load out of the of the game but they don't really get into too many of the rules on how that works. Not that I can really remember. So I think at the end of it, when they when they get out the Matrix, like there's, they'll cut to a scene where they're, they're not in the Matrix anymore. And that's it. They don't really talk about it. Which, I mean, makes sense because you don't always talk about how Captain America puts his outfit on, right? These are things that you, you can just not do. You expect it from the Matrix because they used to make a big deal out of it. Because they like the idea, I guess, of the phone thing, right? And it was a plot point where sometimes if you broke a phone... Someone couldn't get out. But I don't recall in this film there really being a scene where that was the point, where, oh, I can't get out the Matrix because I can't go find the phone. I think their whole thing was like, well, you got to at least get to, like, a portal area, and then we can, like, turn a door, we can hack a door, we can hack a mirror, and then you can get through the mirror, you can get through the door to get to the next area. So it still presented a challenge and a reason for a character to have to go to A to B. 
but it wasn't as extreme as like, oh, there's only three pay phones in the city. How are you going to get out the city? It was like any single door in America could be hacked, and there's some struggle to get to them. But at some point, you you got out the movie, or you got you got out the Matrix or whatever. And then finally, something I think I have to mention is Agent Smith. Agent Smith, where do I begin? Agent Smith is the only character I feel like is really hard to digest in this version of the Matrix. I did, I thought it was cool that in the model, um, Morpheus is basically playing Smith. He's that's the Smith character, right? And he kind of wakes up and becomes Morpheus. So he's a machine. So it makes sense if you're a machine and you're part of the system and you're someone as capable as Morpheus that you would be an agent, right? So he's actually kind of Smith in the, the the model or whatever. But then when we get to seeing that there's actually a Smith and he's like Neo's partner in business, they're, they're combined, they have a connection. Okay, yeah, sure. This is the only time where the actor they chose, who I, I had to research the actor, look him up. He's a good actor. He's playing the scenes well. It's just really hard to think of the fictional character Smith without thinking of Hugo Weaving and, and how he played Smith. And the his look or whatever, they even in the movie they flash to him so you, you don't even have a chance to forget him that way. And him being so sinister and so crazy by the end of the films. In this film, he seems like he's really happy that he's free. But you don't really know Smith on vacation. I feel like like he should have had like a like a like a umbrella drink in his hand, right? Like Smith is so relaxed, but then he does fight in certain situations and he seems to kind of want to be on Neo's team in a way, but he also wants to hurt Neo. And that character I just don't think really felt fleshed out really in any kind of way. I felt like maybe he was there cuz he had to be there. I don't know if he had to be there. If the, is the film different without Smith? I don't think so. I mean, Smith has a, an important scene with the the um the analyst and, and it seems like Smith is the one who the analyst isn't predicting is going to get involved so that helps Neo you know get past a certain point so you could have did that with any other robot right I mean you, any other any other cyborg I don't feel like Smith had to be there and then you know it was cool when they were fighting but the actor that they chose since he looks so nice he even says that like he looks so different than what you expect he doesn't give off that sinister vibe. So I just thought it was difficult without the sunglasses, without the kind of, you know, vanilla look that the agents have to make them look soulless and lifeless. Smith lost a lot of his menace, menacing characteristics. They they talk about, I believe, in the same scene, one of the crew members mentioned how Neo looks, and he looks cool. And Keanu Reeves still looks cool with long hair and a beard. It kind of works. They literally say that in the film because it does, right? When he's John Wick, it works, right? So if you looked at Neo and thought you had to shave his head or you had to you know cut his hair and shave his face to make him Neo, you don't. He still looks cool with the beard. Actually, he probably looks more cool with the beard. Um, with Smith, the, the, the way the guy looks, it's difficult to, to handle. Morpheus, the way he looks, he looks awesome. He's in the best shape of his life. He's, when he has his martial arts scene, he has this great outfit on, it's flowy, um, and he's, he looks very capable. The actor playing Smith, I'm sure, worked out and sure had a fight like everyone else did. His fight scenes aren't bad, but he has a really like baby face kind of look. And overall, I just didn't think Smith really worked that well. 
Um, yeah, and I mean, I, if, he's one of those moments where you're watching the film and kind of like, uh, like he draws attention to himself too much because he doesn't seem like he's supposed to really be in the film. And that was something that kind of, you know, distracted me. The actor does a great job. I'm not saying anything bad about the actor. Um, I just think that, I don't know if you call it a miscast or if maybe there's just not enough for Smith to do in this film. Maybe the director, obviously, or the writers thought, no, no, Smith has to be in the film. This is super, super important. But I, the mayor of the vision could have did most of those things. I don't know. Um, I, it could have been any other computer character. I felt like I don't feel like it had to be Smith. Um, and even with Morpheus, I guess you can make the argument that Morpheus doesn't have to be the person that Neo frees. That it's just kind of a cool thing that, that it's Morpheus. It's not just some other robot he's freeing. He makes it more important that that's that it's that robot. I guess you make the argument for Smith. Like, well, maybe Smith's more important. Than the robot that paints the skies. I don't know her name off the top of my head. Um, and she has a she her she has a, a part where she's kind of explaining the way the whole world um, works and how they're going to free Trinity. So I mentioned all those things just to say the Smith has to be mentioned. And I have to you know point out that if someone says I don't like what they did to Smith, I'm a big Smith fan. Then I can understand that they're thinking like now nah, this is like a B or a C in my book. I'm like yeah, Smith was not exactly what I wanted him to be, um, or what I would hope for the character. He, he didn't make as much sense to me. As the other characters. Now, what what could be said? I don't know where they plan on going with any of these people. So could Smith be a fun, you know, cool character that used to be kind of crazy in future films? Maybe. Um, could he be a you know, kind of a, a tour guide through the video games with a dark history, but he's kind of like more of a bright, cheery TV show host? Maybe. I don't know. Maybe that's the, the variation of Smith. They literally call him the viral agent in the film. Um, so I think he just is so evil and so sinister. It I feel like it doesn't do the character service as well. But these are things that maybe if they if they take that kind of feedback, if that's people's vibe that they got on Smith, they could always say like, oh, look, there's a second copy of him and that one's still evil and crazy walking around the Matrix and then he shows up, right? Maybe you could do that in future films. I don't know. Um, but yeah, at the end of it all, you know, to bring this kind of to a close, when you get to the end of the matrix, I think it does its job at really freeing up the fact that now there's two of them, right? Or there's more of them. And really what they're saying, I hope people don't miss this, is they're saying that any two people can be the people. It's not just Neo and Trinity. It's not that there was the one, now there's the two. Like she was always important in their story. She's the other person to him. That, that makes them both reach levels that they shouldn't be able to reach. That's the story. And I believe at the end of it, when they decide that they're going to go remake the Matrix, they're going to open it up, they're going to let other people who want to get freed be freed, and they're basically setting up the future of the franchise, saying, okay, now anything can happen. I feel like they almost had to grab the camera and look into the camera and say, okay, now anything can happen. We could even have a rainbow sky. That could be nice, right? Trying to explain that all those things that used to matter about the Matrix, if you're a fan, prepare yourself. Because in the future, these other spinoffs, these other games or things they're going to make can really go anywhere at this point. And I'm sure that's what Warner Brothers would rather have instead of being kind of handcuffed to a very specific look for a film, very specific characters. Now you could do, you know, a Matrix uprising film and then have, you know, a bunch of new people. Who are being freed because Neo and Trinity, you know, went public and everyone knows they exist, right? So now that you know there's like superheroes in this world and you know definitely for sure Neo and Trinity are superhero kind of people, 
Maybe other people want to get freed and they want to be, you know, who they want to be. And then you can open it up to be literally like a Fortnite in um in the Matrix, right? Where now people have crazy looking colors and outfits they wear. It don't have to always be like leather and PVC, as they joked about in the film. Um, the, the world can be bright. They can modify the environment. They can make the world look like space. They can do anything because it's a computer simulation. And you're kind of in like a Ready Player One, again, Fortnite kind of situation where you can have all kinds of powers, all kinds of things, and Warner Brothers can pay someone to make that video game and make a bunch of money and get back into the place where they want to be, where every year or two, I'm sure, a Matrix movie comes out. They're making a bunch of money off of it because people want to see these kind of things. And then they have other merchandise stuff that they can sell and have all these new characters that exist in the Matrix. And that was the mission, I think. I think at the end of it, mission accomplished. Um, that, that last scene when Trinity and, and Neo are together, it is a little weird. You know, as I'm watching it, I'm like, uh, like I get it. It's cool. They're not really explaining some of the things that Trinity can do. Like she's like basically like respawning the analyst. Like she's like beating him up and injuring him, but instantly healing him, which is again, all video game stuff. And I understand that, but it just, they, they just do it. Right. And they don't really explain why it happens. Um, and maybe that's better. I don't know. Maybe they don't want to get into anything else for that. So at the end of it, as a fan, I'm thinking, okay, well, we, we did that now, right? This whole movie was about fixing the things I think that happened in 3. I think there's even a great line in the film where they say, like, well, thank you, you gave me another chance. And that's kind of, the, I think, what's got to happen for the creators. There's a lot of great things, I think, where when you're watching it, you think about the people who are making this film that you don't think about when you're watching Iron Man. You don't think about who's making Iron Man, right? Because it's the characters of Iron Man are themselves just doing what they're doing, but the characters in The Matrix are so much their creators. They really, it's kind of like, I guess, if Stan Lee was making Marvel movies, right? They would be a little different because those characters are pieces of Stan Lee. So in this situation, you still have your, your Stan Lee, a la Wachowski, Alana Wachowski making these films. They have a different kind of vibe to it. But when you see the next films, if the Wachowskis are no longer touching these anymore, then what happens? I think that is an interesting place I think we had to get there. I think this this Matrix movie did the job. Um, I think The Last Jedi, um, I think Ryan Johnson tried to do that for Star Wars, really open it up and, and anything could happen in the future films and stuff like that. And that could have been what they had to do. But then in part three, they kind of go right back to what happened in Force Awakens. And that was it. So they didn't really stick the landing. I think what happened there was there was no solid... Uh, cohesive story from part one, two, and three of the new Star Wars films. And luckily for The Matrix, they did it all in one movie. It's a lot to take in. Definitely worth lots of rewatches, seeing people do their breakdowns, seeing people put out Easter eggs. And that's great because that's what the internet and everything can do for you now. And it's, um, it's going to be really fun over the next few weeks to rewatch The Matrix with everyone, to see everyone give their takes and their breakdowns, to listen to other people's podcasts and things like that which wasn't around in 99 when Matrix 1 came out at all. The, the only thing, YouTube, was really a thing at the time. So I think this is a really fun way for us to experience the Matrix, be involved in it, and enjoy it as fans. And hopefully, you know, only inspires more things. I hope everyone, you know, makes Warner Brother aware that this works and they need to make other things. And I'm looking forward to a brand new cast. So some interesting characters. I thought Bugs was cool. Um, and you know, I think she's a, a definitely a strong lead for any other film they want to do. And yeah, hopefully they, they keep on going and move further away from that, that thing that happened 18 years ago 
and I want to see a new Matrix now. I want to see a new Matrix that fulfills those promises, has new actors, new situations, new stories and circumstances that are going on. Um, maybe some TV shows, some other things, you know, or there are spinoffs that really, really finally flesh out that world. And a lot of people who want to actually do that, who grew up on the Matrix, um, who love that thing, can go do that. That's what happens in NetherRealm Studios. A lot of young people over there with great ideas. I think that's what's happening with Marvel. Obviously, people who grew up loving comics. So hopefully, Warner Brothers can put together a team of people who care about it the same way. And the Matrix can really, you know, be fleshed out into an awesome universe. But that's my take. Thank you guys for letting me flush that out in my head. Um, definitely, you know, talk to me if you guys have any other questions or any of my, you know, want to share your takes on it. I'm pretty sure me and Ant will talk about this very soon on a future podcast. And um, I, again, I could see me talking about this for weeks, if not forever in some way or the other, right? But that's my whole thing I got for The Matrix 4 this week. Really enjoyed it. I'm probably going to go watch it again, actually. Um, at least the ending. I want to watch the ending again. And um, yeah, I can't wait to see it in theaters. You guys, I hope you guys have a great week. Enjoy your Christmas. Enjoy your holiday. This was definitely a great moment for me. I'm thinking about this still all Christmas. And of course, I have to mention in Fortnite, they released the Matrix rap and some Matrix um, emotes. I don't know if they're going to release Matrix skins, but I do have the John Wick skin. So you could do like John Wick with like the Matrix code on his gun. That might be as far as you can get. And he can bust out into an emote here or there. Um, but it'd be nice to see if they put Matrix skins out in the game. But I'm not holding my breath for it anymore. Um, the Squid Glider is amazing. So the F Fortnite, I believe right now, is going to be what our Matrix is. Um, that's going to be the, the, the leader in the metaverse, um, which is what you know Facebook started calling it. But um, yeah, I think that's the place to go. Oh, and Mustard Plays. Mustard Plays on YouTube made the um, Robot City where they keep all the humans. He made it in creative mode, and it looks phenomenal. Google Mustard Plays Matrix Robot Pods or whatever. My God, I wish I could share a video right now into the podcast vocals. But um, yeah, that, that's the kind of exciting stuff I think you're going to see. Um, and that's definitely a place that you can play those things out. So it'd be awesome if they put some skins into the game and hopefully that inspire people to make more Matrix levels in Fortnite. Because right now, that is our Matrix. That is the only place where you can try to experience any of those things that they had in the movie. But who knows? Maybe Warner Brothers working on something. Maybe they'll come up with something cool for us to interact with in the future. But all right, guys, that's the end of it there. I'll leave you guys with it and hope you guys enjoy your holiday. Take care. Peace. Peace. <laughs>